Welcome, everybody, to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find focus for living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. Amen. Well, go with me in your Bibles, if you will, to the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 14. Matthew, chapter 14. Hallelujah. Well, in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, it's a very familiar story about Peter walking on water. And really, he he did walk on water, but in essence... He walked on the Word of God when Jesus said, Come. Peter said, If it is you, come. So let's read the story real quick in chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, I didn't go by myself, but I went away for a few days this week and got a little refreshed. And uh, every, everybody needs a little bit of time away. The problem is, is when you want to stay away. Now, that's not good. But he says, and when it was evening, he was there alone. Verse 24 says, but the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves for the wind was contrary. Anybody been in some contrary winds? And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, Peter, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately... Jesus reached, stretched out his hand, took hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. Now, I'm not going to preach on this, but notice that the wind didn't stop just because Jesus was holding his hand. The wind didn't stop until he got back in the boat. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. Father, I bless you today. And I ask that you bless the reading of your word. And let us gain insight and inspiration, revelation, and determination from the word of God. In the name of Jesus and the church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, musicians. I don't know about you, but, you know, I have grown up in the church. When I wasn't saved, I still went to church. Why? Because I was the preacher's kid 
and you went to church no matter what. Let me go, let me go one step further. I wasn't just a preacher's kid. I was a Christian's kid. Thank you. I, I, you know, I didn't, in, in, in my generation, and I think that's what's wrong with some generation, in my generation, as a kid, I wasn't the boss. Matter of fact, I wasn't the boss when I was 18 living in my dad's house. I wasn't the boss until I moved out of my house, of my dad's house. Then I became the boss of me. My, my daughters, when we would go away, I, I have two daughters. One was singing today. Most of you know Lauren, but she's the, she's the youngest. And, and I would say, now, Lauren, listen to your sister, Jillian. She's in charge. And she goes, well, who am I in charge of? And I said, you're in charge of yourself unless Jillian needs to be in charge of you. And she would say, well, can I be the boss of the Barbies? I said, yes, you can be the boss of the Barbies. Treat them any kind of way you want to. Because everybody wants to be in charge of something. Did you hear that? Everybody wants to be in charge of something. And we all ask the question from time to time, is there somebody steering this thing called life? And if it is, can they be trusted? Now, if you're a Christian, the answer you're going to go ahead and say, well, of course they can be trusted. Jesus is steering this. God is steering our life. No, God, God wants to steer our life. But who is truly steering our life? You see, these are, especially when you go through the difficult seasons of life, you wonder, is there anybody in control? Have you ever asked God a question and got the wrong answer? And ask, is there anybody else up there? Because I don't like the answer that I got. I have been there. Well, we psych ourselves up and say things like, things will get better. Things will get better. But floating through life long enough, it what seems like the middle of nowhere, you start to have your doubts. Anybody been there? Anybody live there? Boy, y'all real quiet on me this morning. It, 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 you have a way, you convince yourself that if we just have, if, if, we believe, if we believe hard enough, then things should be okay. And then they get worse. Am I talking to anybody? You, you, all of, all of that, I'm going to put all of this together, Pastor, and I'm going to believe hard enough, and it's going to work out. And sometimes it don't work out the way you want it to work out. You put all that together, but a lot of people, surely not here, they'll be in the 11 o'clock service, a lot of people put faith in their faith. I know people who are arrogant about their faith. That they put faith in their faith, but God said have faith in God. Not in your faith. Not your faith. His Have faith in Him. If you've been around the block a few times, like I have, you know that faith in itself means very little. Please, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If you've got faith in faith, 
then, then you're going to be disappointed. You've got to have faith in God. See, we must have faith in the character and the confidence or the competence of God. That's, that's where it really meets the road. Um, because it's the character and competence of the one whom you put your faith in that matters most. And what I mean that is you put your faith in somebody and it's their character and their competence is what means most. It doesn't matter if you put your faith in somebody who always lets you down. Then you're kind of dumb for doing that. At some point in time, you go, okay, fool me once, right? Shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on, shame, shame on, or fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me the third time, I'm going to put you in the grave. But anyway, let me move on. Uh, but, but, but we do that, right? So you've got to have faith in God because the real issue is, is somebody piloting this thing that, and can that somebody be trusted? In his, is his competence and his character such, uh, such that I can, with confidence, put my life in his hands? Can I tell you that with God you can? Now, if you put your life in the hands of pastor, oh, he'll fail you. You put your life in the hands of just church, it'll fail you. It, let, let me tell you, I, we, we operate in the gifts of the Spirit and you know, the gift of word of knowledge and all those things. But if you live your life based on what somebody gives you a word from God, you cannot live your life that. You've got to base your life on the word of God and the word that you get from God. When somebody gives you a word of prophecy, a word of wisdom, that ought to already uh, um, so, cons, uh, con, not consolidate, but solidify what God has already placed in your spirit. You see, we recognize that I honestly don't know that if I've ever been called to an act of faith that didn't involve some degree of risk. Oh, God's told me to do this and I'm just going to walk out there and everything's going to be wonderful. Wait a minute. What about, what about the winds and the waves? I, I can tell you that fear is connected to risk, and risk is connected to fear. Whether that fear is the fear of failing or that fear of whatever consequence might come from that act of faith. I remember, you know, when we were running a, a, a hundred people, uh, it seemed like I could hear God clearer. And I've, I've, me and God's had conversations about this because now it seemed like I have to, man, almost fast and pray to hear from God. But one of the things that the Lord told me is this. You've got more to lose now if you make the wrong decision. So back then, I mean, I'm 27 years old when I came here. Man, I, you know, I, I would rush hell with a water pistol and a newspaper, man. You know, take him on, bro. Let's bring it. But, but now I got a little bit, because now back then it was just 40 people. And, uh, and about, uh, about 35 of them was ready for the grave. But now... Uh, we, were the, oh, we were the youngest people in the church when we came here. And then now I'm in the middle of it. But anyway, let me move on. And, and so I recognize that now the risk is greater when God asks you to do something. So the first point is this. Faith requires risking failure. Well, what if I fail? What if you succeed? 
Well, if God told me to do it, I won't fail. Well, you might not think you will fail. You might fail in your eyes, but not in the eyes of God. See, in Matthew 14, 24, we're told that Jesus had just sent the disciples into a small fishing boat to go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He did this, we're told, because he wanted to head up into the surrounding foothills in order to have some alone time. Anybody ever need some just alone time? You just need everybody to get out of the house. You ain't got to go nowhere. Just everybody get out of the house. Leave everybody. Get out. And just spend some alone time. Everybody from time to time needs some alone time. But after the disciples got about six or seven miles out, a massive storm began to roll in. And here they are in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in the midst of what had become a terrible storm. And they were afraid for their life. Now remember, a number of these men were uh, uh, professional fishermen that they knew what it was to be out on the open water. They were afraid, so it had to be some kind of a terrible storm. These are tough guys used to being in tough waters at night, yet this time they were afraid. They honestly didn't know if they were going to make it, but then in verse 25, that around 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus begins to approach them, walking toward them on the water. Now, they did what you and I would think. Oh, God, it's the grim reaper coming to get us. He's coming to escort us. We are done for. And, but, and the Bible says, one translation said, he would have passed on by if they had not saw him. Boy, did that a preach right there. I'm going to have to come back and talk about that another time. He would have walked on by if they had not called him. But they saw him in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of their terror, and called out to God, and God said, Hey, don't be afraid. It's just me. It's just me. They were exhausted. They were cold. They were wet. They were terrified. But they thought that they, when things couldn't get any worse, they see this ghost coming toward them. Verse 26, they do what any group of men do in the absence of women. They were terrified and begin to scream. We were, we were on the, uh, a few years ago, we were coming home from Mobile, and I hit a deer, and my oldest daughter was in the car with me, and my wife was asleep in the back, and we hit the deer, and she goes, oh, my God, you didn't even scream. I said, because y'all were in the car. That's what men do. We don't scream. At least we don't let you hear us scream. Unless a squirrel gets on our leg, and then we'll scream like a little girl. But anyway, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. They screamed in terror. And then verse 27, Jesus yells at them, don't be afraid, it's me. So here they are exhausted, terrified, and Peter yells back at him and said, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. So Peter fixed his eyes on Jesus, and he doesn't even think what he's about to do, and he gets out of the boat and the only other man to walk on water. Peter steps out of the boat. He takes his few steps, these incredible steps. But suddenly he realizes that what's going on and he begins to fall. He begins to sink. He begins to, he, you know, he, he was walking. But all of a sudden he goes, wait, I'm not supposed to be able to do this. Because he took his eyes off Jesus. 
Some of you are saying, I'm not supposed to be, I'm not supposed to be all right after what I've been through. I'm not supposed to be all right. I, I'm supposed to be in therapy. And maybe you are, but whatever. I, I'm supposed to be this. I'm, supposed, I'm not supposed to be okay, but you're okay as long as your eyes are on Jesus. But the problem that I see as a pastor for almost 30 years now is people begin to see Jesus and they begin to walk and then they get their eyes on other people. They get to looking at the pastor. They get to looking at this one and that one and this one and that one. And the next thing you know, they, they're out of church and they're out of time and they're right back into the same old hog pen that they were in. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're able to walk through the pits of hell. When you, when you keep your man, you can't look at people. Why? Because people will fail you. I will fail you, but Jesus will never fail you. And so he began to walk on that, and he goes, I'm not supposed to be able to do this, but he did. But now, he gets a bad rap because we go, man, if that would have been me, I'd have been keeping my eyes on Jesus. But bless God, you can't even cross the street to give somebody a sandwich. Can I ask you a question? Anybody ever failed a test? Yeah. You ever been cut off? Have you ever been cut from the team? Have you ever failed to get the job or the promotion that you wanted? Have you ever been impatient with a three-year-old? Yeah. How about impatient with a 33-year-old? Have you ever been impatient? Have you ever said the wrong thing? Have you ever eaten the wrong stuff? Not me. I always eat healthy. Have you ever used the wrong fork? Have you ever been embarrassed? Have you done something embarrassing in public? Most of us have. You ever experienced failure of any kind? Even though we've all failed at one time or another. And even though none of us are big fans of failure, I want you to hear this principle in my next one. I want you to see this principle. Is that God never intended that we go through life in a desperate attempt to avoid failure. Let me tell you, I've never lost a tennis match because I've never played a tennis match. So it, you can't brag about something that you haven't tried. You know, I, I'm, I'm working on a sermon right now. It, it's, it, I'm, I got the, I got the, just, I'm working on it that survivors only hurt. Only the folks who survive hurt. Only the people who have been through some stuff. Only the people who have failed a time. See, if it, it, oh, I'm about to get ahead of myself. But only, only if you've never failed, then it's probably because you've never tried. To one degree or another, the boat is safe. The boat is secure. Compared to what lies outside the boat, the boat is relatively comfortable but here's the trade-off if you don't get out of the boat you never walk on the water if you never step out on risk you never get reward the truth is there's something inside of each of us that tells us our lives are about something more than just sitting in the boat 
Some of you, that's why the devil wants to keep you all messed up and crisscrossed and upside down because if all you can do is think about your own mess, you can never get out of the boat and help somebody else with their mess and be the miracle and be the, the comforter and be who God called you to be to somebody else. But that's why the devil wants to keep you all, all messed up and, and messed up. There's something in us that wants to walk on water. Look on the internet. Just do a search as what is the meaning of life. Man, you'll have so much stuff to read. You'll be reading from now till doomsday. What is the meaning of life? Everybody wants to know the meaning of life. How many times have I, have I, have I counseled with people and, and people at the altar? I just don't know what God wants me to do. And they're always looking for what they're meant for. Something that calls us. To leave the routine of comfortable existence and abandon ourselves to the adventure of following Christ. I never dreamed I'd be doing what I'm doing. Jesus said, don't be afraid. It's me. See, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you can trust my character and my confidence. You can, without reservation, without hesitation, place your life in my hands because what I'm going to do is going to do good for you. You might not look like it to begin with. You ever had to apologize to somebody? You ever had to make things right with somebody? It doesn't feel good at the time. But God said, I'm working everything so that you can have the life that I've called you to. Let me ask you this. Did Peter fail? Well, all, many of us would say, yes, pastor, he did. But this is important because what we're seeing here is radically redefines failure in our lives as Christians. Well, I tell you what, they tried that and they, they failed. Well, failure is not so much an event. See, we think it as an event. I, I, I love what Winston Churchill says. Somebody asked Winston Churchill, what most prepared you to lead Great Britain through the World War II? This was Churchill's response. He said, it was the time I repeated a class in grade school. The questionnaire said, you mean you flunked a grade? And Churchill said, I've never flunked in anything in my life. I was given a second opportunity to get it right. I love that. So you can talk about failures or you can say, well, I know one way not to get it done. I can tell you one way not to do it. You see, Peter failed. Well, yes, maybe in one sense he did, but his faith gave way. And yet, it was something he drew from for the rest of his life. He learned that if you want to walk on the water, you have to get out of the boat. You know what gets me? Here, here's what gets me. And I'm, I'm going to turn around just in, case, just in case somebody's watching you think I'm talking to you. What gets me is people go, people talk to people who've made business and done well, and they say things like, must be nice. Next time somebody says that, go, it is. It is nice. Well, it must be nice to be able to retire. <laughs> it is. It must be nice to be able to retire and not eat cat food. It is. Come on, somebody. You know, because what people don't realize is they don't see the sleepless nights. They don't see, you know, I believe it was Abraham Lincoln. I, maybe it wasn't him. But somebody said that you can 
be rich by working half days. You just choose which 12 hours you want to work. Right? And everybody talks about, you know, I, well, it, I could have done. No, no, no. When you see people who are successful for 99.9% of the time, they have had to work at it. But there are 11 others who might have blown it out there as well. We could look at them and go, well, you failed to walk on water. I mean, dude, if you took, we don't know how many steps he took. But I just got to believe it's more than one. Because as as he came to Jesus, he began to sink. And and so he's the only one who, who was able to walk on the water. But you see, the 11 that were in the boat, their failure went unnoticed and uncriticized. Y'all didn't hear that. Because when you try something, when you follow God, when you risk something, you might get talked about, but the other people, they're not going to get talked about for not trying. They're not going to get criticized for not trying. You know, you might... Only Peter experienced the embarrassment of public failure, but only Peter knew the glory of walking on the water. Hey! And man, you've got to take some risk when it comes to your faith. And only Peter knew in the way that nobody never would, that when you sink, Jesus will be there to... Pick you back up. Everybody else knew it metaphorically. But Peter knew it with reality. As he began to sink, Jesus, the Bible said, immediately as he sank, reached out his hand, grabbed him, and began to walk on the tempest and walk through the storm, but on water, back to the boat. He's the only one. He knew like nobody else knew that if you begin to sink, God knows how to pick you up. Glory to God. Has God ever done that to anybody in this house? My Lord, you pick your circumstance. You pick your storm. You pick your water. You pick your storm of what God delivered you out of. I I could go around and tell some of you that that was your storm. That was your storm because I've known many of you for a long time. But so many I don't know. But here's what I do know. No matter where you're at today, if you feel like you neck deep, maybe just lift up your hand because Jesus is there to pick you up and pick you out and take you out and walk you back to the boat. Point two. They're not as long as point one. Faith means choosing to follow Jesus. Maybe you're thinking about life and you're wondering, what does it mean to get out of the boat? It sounds good, doesn't it? Let's get out of the boat. It sounds right. But you're not sure what it looks like. Well, at the heart of it, it is a choice we all have to make if we want to become authentic Followers of Christ. See, there there are a lot of people who know Christ, but they're not followers of Christ. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. If he had an Instagram account, you would be a follower. But you don't know him. 
You know, you know, oh, I, I've got on I'm on Instagram. I, I don't do a lot there, but you know, because the older people we do we do Facebook. You know, and so I've got four thousand and seven hundred friends. And and if you've have friend requested me and I haven't responded, it's because I didn't recognize you or I didn't realize it was you or something like that. Because I'm trying to I'm being a little bit because I ain't got but 300 people left that I can uh, say yes to. I'm, I'm, I'm going by and seeing folks who dead just take them off. Oh, yeah, I don't, need, I don't think I'm going to talk to them no more. So, you know, if I can, but I can't even figure out who did. I, I, I tell people happy birthday that died three years ago. <laughs> My wife comes there and says, baby, they died like last year. It's like, oh, I, didn't, I don't remember. You know, I mean, when you, and then the good thing about getting old, I can blame it. I'm, I'm old. I don't know. <laughs> Amen. So listen, at the heart of it, it is a choice that we have to make, be authentic followers of Christ. An authentic follower of Jesus isn't somebody who believes in certain things so he or she can go to heaven. That's not an authentic believer. An authentic believer, let me make sure I get this, I think I, uh, no I don't have this yet. An authentic believer, yeah, I do. A disciple, an authentic believer, someone who says, it is my ultimate goal to live the way that Jesus would live if he were present here today, if he were present in me. If Jesus is truly inside of me, then I ought to live the way Jesus would live. Now, that doesn't mean being a doorstep. I get so aggravated when people go, well, Jesus, well, he just let everybody run over. No, I, I, I like reading about the turntable Jesus, the table turning Jesus, taking out a whip and whipping some folks. Woo! And the people he did that to were the religious people. Let me move on. But like choosing to stay in the boat or step out, it's a choice. But there's another aspect of getting out of the boat that we also have to contend with in our lives. First, it's the commitment we need to make to surrender our lives to God. Do you really surrender your life? I know you made a decision, but did you surrender? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I had my life planned out and this was no part of the plan. But when I committed my life and surrendered my life to Christ, He worked this thing out the way where we are. I followed Him daily, and here's where we are. But, but well, praise the Lord. There, but there's a commitment to follow Him in spite of the fear and insecurity we often feel. That's, that's the key, man. Jesus Himself tells the disciples, get into the boat, and they do. A storm comes in and then they're afraid. Jesus comes to them into the sea and when he comes to them, fear turns to terror. Jesus says, take heart, don't be afraid. Peter asks, what, what is he supposed to do? And Jesus tells him, come to me. He said, come to me. And so Peter gets out of the boat, he walks on the water, but he sinks. What does he experience? He experiences more fear. Did you catch that? You might, you might have drifted off for a minute. He experienced more fear when he got out of the boat and he began to sink. Sometimes in following Christ, you will experience more fear, but he's there to hold your hand. He's there to lift you up. He's there to make sure that you're going to be all right. You know, I, I, 
Listen, I, you have never heard me preach the gospel that says that you come to Jesus and you're never going to have any more worries. It's just going to be a tiptoe to the tulips. No, I've never said that. What I have said is the Bible says that the righteous, uh, uh, that, that, that the Bible says that no matter what happens to us, God is there. Uh, 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 Psalm says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but I shall deliver them out of them all. Jesus said, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome it. Because I didn't leave you just the world peace. I've left you my peace. Jesus rescues Peter. Is that the last time that Peter's going to face panic and fear? No. It comes around time and time again. To be a disciple is to be a learner or a student. It is, a, it is to choose to grow in Christ. And how many knows that when you grow, you fall? Uh, when you're a child, you learn to walk. Man, you fall many times. Growth means, you got to get this. Growth means entering new territory, which is getting out of the boat. Hey, anybody, anybody you know, you got saved and things were going great. And then God's, and then just, you know, he doesn't come out and say this to you, but he goes, you know, oh, you're doing so good. But now I got to, I got to break you down. Wait, 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 hey, hey, wait. What do you mean break me down? Oh, you know, there's some issues that you haven't dealt with I'm going to need you to deal with. No, 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 I'm fine. Leave me right where I'm at, God. I like this season. I gave you that season so you could endure the next season. My Jesus. And I'm going to let you endure this season so that you can enjoy the next season. My God, somebody hear me. So growth means going to new territory, getting out of the boat. And every time you do that, the potential for fear is there. And to be honest, I've been in this thing for a while now. And what I can tell you is that the potential for fear will never really go away every time that you obey God. Every time that you get out of the boat, every time that you face new challenges, the potential for fear is there. In a sense, discipleship is always a choice between comfort and fear. It often requires stepping out of the safety and the security and the comfort of the boat. We like to come home and just veg out, right? I love it. Usually in front of the television set. But being a couch potato is not always good training for what would be water walkers. Yeah. And yet those 11 disciples out there on the Sea of Galilee on that night were acting like a bunch of boat potatoes. Uh-huh. They didn't want the risk. They didn't want, they didn't, they didn't want to, to risk any more fear. And churches often criticized for being full of pew potatoes. Oh, it's getting tight, ain't it? People who talk a good game, but choose to live a life risk-free, comfortable in their proverbial boats. Now maybe there was a time when you would say, Jesus... Just give me the word and I'll step out on the boat and into the stormy seas. Now you've gotten older. 
Now you've been serving him a little while. Yeah, let the young ones do that. You know, I've done, I've heard this so many times. Please don't say this to me anymore. I've done my time. I didn't know it was a sentence. That's what people getting out of prison said. I've done my time. I ain't going to ask you to raise your hand, but you know what I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. You, 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 you get done. You look out. And the guards say, well, see you next week. No, no, I've done my time. You ain't going to see me. I'm done. See, maybe it's less about comfort and more about fear of stepping out of your comfort zone. Walking on the water is, after all, about our responding to his invitation. God will bring us to the end of our resources so that, yeah, so we can discover the vastness of His. I just know from my own personal experiences that every significant period of personal growth in my life and ministry has been preceded by a major experience of testing. While I was requ- where I was required to step out of the boat and say yes. Point number three is this and I'm done. Point number three, faith results in remarkable things. How many ever got something because you trusted God? You, you got it. Listen, I got peace because I trusted God. Amen. I got salvation because I'm trusting God. Peter's life was given a whole new course of life after this. And his life would never be the same. When people get out of the boat, the power of God is put into play and remarkable things happen. What if everybody here were to say, God, command me, I'm yours. When was the last time you said it? I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I get tired of saying it. Why? Because sometimes I say it, I don't want to do what he says. So if I don't ask, maybe he won't tell. And that's where a lot of us are. Well, uh, you know, can I just sit here a little while? You know, my, my wife asked me yesterday, she was, she was, uh, it, was, it was last night, and she said, I was sitting there vegging out in front of the TV, and she said, baby, can you put the watermelon in the refrigerator on the back porch? And I did like many, most men do. Right now? I'm kind of watching this show right now. I'm seeing how... Seven people are going to survive out in Alaska together and build this community. Some of y'all don't know which one I'm talking about. I love shows like that. I don't want to go do it, but I love to see idiots trying it. I said, uh, she goes, okay, do it later. And you know what happened. Later never happened. So this morning, I get dressed. I got my suit on. And I'm walking through the kitchen, and I see the watermelon. So then I go put it. But why, why didn't I obey? Well, first of all, she ain't going to tell me what to know. <laughs> see, some of you men got caught right there. No, no. First of all, because I was relaxing, I put it off till later and almost forgot it. Then I promise you, she's going to get up this morning and go look at it, see if, she, she, see if it's in. And I'm going to get points doing what she asked me to do. And if she don't notice this in there, trust me, after church I will tell her. Hey, uh, you did notice that uh, watermelon was in there. I had to pick that thing up, man. 
Can you imagine the kingdom of God and the kingdom of power that would be released in this community, in this region, if everybody said, command me, God. Command me. What do you want me to do? What risk do you want me to take? Come on. William, come back and help me. Can I tell you that Jesus is still looking for people who will get out of the boat? Now, I just want to ask you the question today. Okay, yeah, you know, Pastor, I'm saved. I didn't ask you that. I mean, I, I will ask you in a moment, but I didn't ask you that. I, my question to you is, are you willing to get out of the boat? Well, Pastor, what, what does that mean? I want to know what that means before I answer yes. How, how far out of the boat? How far do I got to go? If you're signing up missionaries to Africa, I'm out. Me too. I, but that's not what God's just wanting you to get out of the boat for your life. What has or is God asked you to do that you haven't done? Spirit Life Team, I want to ask you to come real quick. Here's what I do know. Your faith will not be perfect. At times, you might even sink. I don't know. But here's what I do know. I know that when you fail, Jesus will be there. He will pick you up. He will not leave you alone. And I know that every once in a while, hear this part, every once in a while, you're going to find yourself walking on water. I could take you through so many courses where I was fearful or where I was resistant, but I did it, and God showed up. And people think I'm the, you know, at, not now, but at times people think I'm the greatest thing since peanut butter, and all it was is I took a risk. And Jesus showed up. Would you stand to your feet with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done in my life, what you're continuing to do in my life. Lord, have your way in our lives. I give you my word. I won't embarrass you. But if you are in here and you don't know Jesus, maybe you haven't asked him to come into your life. But you would like him to come. Would you just slip up your hand? You've never asked the Lord to come into your life, but you want to do so today. Lift up your hand. You can put it right back down. I promise you I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. And we will see you next week here at CRCOG.